Hello, everybody. Welcome to Business Politics 318. I am your host, Cesara R. Johnson. Why did I create Business Politics 318? Now, I'm not going to go over the number, the significance of the number just yet. But what I want to do is talk about um, why I chose 318 and kind of a surface level right now. 318 is not the same as level zero, level one. Like in, if you're talking about college, college is like, you know, your your freshman level classes were like 100. You know, your sophomore might have been 200. Your, your juniors might have been. Um, or even your, your, your junior level might have been 200 as well. And then you go to, by the time you're a senior, your classes are 300 level and above. So at first I was kind of playing around with, um, I was talking to one of my very close friends, uh, Michelle DeRosier Caldwell. And even with her husband, we were kind of bouncing, her husband Dave, we were bouncing uh, around ideas about what to call it. And I originally wanted to call it Business Politics 301 to, to signify a, a more advanced level of business politics, because I don't just talk about office politics. I actually prefer to talk about a higher level of politics that I call business entity politics, not really office politics unless I have to. So I wanted to call it business um, business politics 301. Um, Michelle didn't really like that at first. Uh, Dave did, <laughs> but Michelle really didn't because she thought it sounded kind of too academic. Um, but then I started to read something that gave me the number 318, which was very significant. So I'll talk about that later. But just know that this means that it's really more of an advanced level, but not just talking about politics at an advanced level. The 318 also signifies a sort of victory and a sort of uh, not capitulating to something, not capitulating to something. So it's advanced politics, but also, you know, I want people to, to keep their smiles when they're, or at least take their smiles back when they go through advanced levels of very shrewd games and even cruel games of politics and they can get very very hard so why am i doing business politics 318 well it's because i have a, a workplace initiative called scene versus shadow and scene versus shadow actually helps out new or established Dials. What does dial stand for? Dial stands for decision makers, influencers, leaders, and entrepreneurs. Now, who's an influencer? When you when you think about decision makers, leaders, entrepreneurs, you think about people who basically are at a higher level, um, like more of an executive level. But influencers, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're at the executive level. It means that you influence people who could be decision makers. You influence people who could be leaders. So you could be a manager. You could be a senior specialist, not necessarily an executive, but maybe you're a senior technologist. Maybe you're a senior accountant. Maybe you're a, a senior whatever, um, where you may not necessarily even oversee anyone, but your expertise is at a trustworthy point or at such a credible point with people that 
you're able to influence leaders, you're able to influence decision makers, um, you're able to even influence managers. So a manager may be an influencer or it a manager may not be an influencer, it may be someone else who again is not at the managerial level, but their expertise is so credible that they're able to influence people who can make the ultimate decisions. Um, so when you get to the level of a dial, again, decision makers, influencers, leaders, entrepreneurs, there's a level of politics that if you're just um, a typical operational employee that just kind of, you know, they're very significant, but they don't, they're not invited to the levels where they're talking to executives or they're talking to decision makers. They're, they're just performing the everyday operations of their job and they're doing it to the best of their ability, which is great but they're not invited to the higher levels of decision-making tables. Once you get to that level where, where you're invited to see the kind of decision-making and the type of politics that go on at a higher level, sometimes you end up learning things that you can't unlearn. You, you learn things that you can't actually believe happen, the kind of politics that you're like, that you're not prepared for or that you're thinking, oh my God, gosh does does this does this really happen does does this does this really go on and and it's okay this it's it's okay sometimes it can be borderline unethical it could be used to manipulate a situation and then sometimes it can be like just boldly unethical but only boldly around a certain type of rankings of people where it may be hidden to the public or hidden to a lot of the people in an organization but in a once you get into a certain rank it's kind of boldly out there and then sometimes it's not boldly out there but it seems to be a very protected culture a very very protected type of culture so I created scene versus shadow because I actually endured different types of I would even say egregious politics that I just couldn't believe happened um, from people lying from people I mean boldly lying to save either their job at a you know their job because they were a manager or things like that or a vice president or whether it was using uh, a situation that it may it may have been like an HR violation that occurred but then for um, executives to use that occurrence to actually blackmail like a customer to do something because maybe it was the customer, one of the customer's employees who um, did the HR violation to like to the service provider. So the service provider used that as leverage to get the customer to do what they wanted them to do. I actually talk more about this in my ebook, my ebook and my marketing, my media kit, actually my media kit on www.sceneversusshadow.com. That's S like Saturday, E-E-N like Nancy, like eyes have not seen. So scene versus V-S shadow.com so www.sceneversusshadow.com where you can read a lot of the things that actually happened to me that uh, it was very devastating I mean to start off I I grew up in church my parents were both pastors and my I would say my parents have a high level of integrity and morality they're very careful with what they do because they believe that the eyes of God are on them they believe that you know they want they they believe in the principles of Jesus Christ they believe in you know holiness 
of holiness and um, righteousness and that ultimately God will, will judge them for, for their actions. So I grew up in a very, um, and I don't like to call it sheltered. There are some people who call it sheltered, but I think that the word sheltered is wrong because to call the life that I grew up with as sheltered is to say that it was almost wrong, that it was wrong to, to be in a life where morality and integrity were placed at a very high standard. So I don't like calling it sheltered, but I was around a group of people who just, they just, again, very high integrity, very, um, high morality. And when I talk about morality, I'm talking about from the Christian principle of morality, not from the perverted Christian or form of uh, Christianity, which some people use the Bible to um, oppress people in a way that is not like how Jesus Christ would behave. So that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about, you know, true principles of, of holiness and godliness. So growing up like that, I just believed that, you know, because my parents taught us to behave a certain way, that other people would behave a certain way, that they would behave with proper um, etiquette, proper behavior. Um, I just, I believed that. And as I started to go up the ranks, I started to see that people people were behaving in a way that just was very in, inappropriate. I started to see like a lot of jealousy that would happen and people would sabotage people. I had someone try to sabotage me as well. And um, even to the point of trying to, to change the narrative of performance evaluations, um, trying to actually document in my performance evaluations, things that were not true in order to keep, to get me fired, to get me fired so that a, a separate in HR investigation that they were the subject of, um, that, that it would not continue to go forth because they would try to, to try to lower my credibility. So for example, there is a, a, a woman who I worked for as a, you know, I had a manager and, you know, she would say things like about black people. I mean, she would even say things about white people. She was a white woman. And she would say things, you know, white babies are ugly. And um, this was like my, this is one of my first initial introductions to games of politics. And at this point, it was just more of office politics at this point. When she was, you know, she would say white babies are ugly. Then she would talk about, you know, black people and that she told me I looked like a horse, like this brown horse with black hair that was on a poster. Then she would say, you know, to be black, um, you're fortunate that you're pretty. Then she would talk about how, you know, she had a friend who was black and at night they would go horse back riding and the only way that she could see him is if she is if the friend smiled she would just say all these things and so you know the first time it happened I let it go the you know it made me uncomfortable but I said maybe she would stop you know the second time she'd said something and I would kind of you know I'd be like you know that's really not a good thing to say um but again, third time she would say that. So it would just become repetitive to the point that I was like, I just can't come to work like this. And you're just going to be very disrespectful to, to ethnicities, different ethnicities and, um, different colors, or as some people call them races of people. I don't know about the whole idea of race since we are all a part of the human race, but do you know, you understand what I'm saying? The whole idea of people who have skin color, that's very different. And, you know, she would move from, um, quote unquote, race to race. And she would have things to say that was so negative from, 
from that point, I ended up I ended up talking to someone from the equity office just to get their opinion. And from the equity, that, that person at the equity office ended up talking to human resources and human resources launched an investigation. Now, during the time, I was on a typical probation that they put all new employees on. So you had a probation for a year. And from that year, uh, within that year was, was your performance determined whether you would you could stay as an employee or or not. So when my manager was a part of this investigation, this human resources investigation, what she decided to do was she decided to do a performance evaluation on me that um, during my um, probationary period to be so negative that that on performance alone, I would be let go. And it was strange because for me, my parents taught, you know, my mom really taught like this level of perfectionism where we took performance very seriously. We worked very hard. When I say we, I'm talking about my siblings. We worked very hard. So when I got such a bad evaluation, which I was throughout my whole life, I was never used to getting bad evaluations, even in school. Um, I just... Ooh, you know, not and at least not intentionally. If I did get like maybe like a C in school, it was because I was really, you know, having a hard time with something, but not not because I wasn't trying. And most of the time I was used to getting A's. So as an employee, I was used to being known for doing well as an employee as well. So when I got that negative performance evaluation, I was thinking, oh my gosh, where did this come from? And then what was documented was just bold-faced lies. And I was just kind of surprised. But what was happening was she was actually using the performance evaluation to try to get rid of me so that the, um, the human resources case that she was going through that had nothing to do with my performance, it would knock my credibility out. Out, or it would cause the human resource case to kind of go away so she wouldn't get any into any trouble. But what she didn't realize was that my performance was also documented by participants of the work, uh, uh, the participants that I served in my work. They actually documented their experiences with me. So my, my boss would say that, you know, that I didn't, that I actually didn't do my job at all, that I didn't, that I passed it off to somebody who wasn't qualified to do the job and things like that. But yet the participants actually said and documented, no, she was there. And they didn't know anything about the investigation. They were just documenting like from surveys of, uh, you know, like customer review, customer evaluations of, of my services. And so customers would say, um, no, on this day and that day, we had a great time with Cesara. We, she did this, she did that, she did this, she did that. So when my manager was saying that I wasn't doing my job, I wasn't present, I wasn't, I had somebody, I was putting it off on other people. The customers actually were saying differently that no, on the day I was there because I was there. I was there, I was working. So she she was caught in a lie. But I noticed that human resources did not reprimand her for that. They just kind of, when they found out that it was documented that she was lying, what they did was kind of, uh, 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 okay, uh, you know, kind of brush it to the side and then, and then say, okay, well, well, let's, for, you know, let's forget that this happened and let's, you know, they told her, you know, don't do that ever again and let's keep on, let's keep on going um, with this case. And, and so it was kind of like, but no, this woman lied. She lied. So I started to see how 
human resources really didn't even have my back for whatever reason. And it's, and it's not to say that these people were necessarily bad. And what I mean to say is that maybe the human resources, they were not intending to be bad towards me or negative towards me, but I started to see that they were really protecting the manager and and they weren't protecting me and I wasn't a manager. Um, I was... I was an op- just a you know I was just an operational employee that I was just an operational employee. Uh, managers, of course, um, they're operational. Some of them are operational employees too. But what I'm just trying to say is that I did not have like a higher ranking level. But when I when I wouldn't back down because I felt like HR wasn't protecting me, stuff kept happening and happening and happening to the point where I was seeing that, wait a minute, so now they're going from really protecting this manager to now they understand that I have a case that I could actually report to a higher authority that's external, external to my employer well I could actually go to the EEOC and at that point they start to see that you know what I could lawyer up I could report it to the EEOC it could you know it could go to a a different level so then I start to notice that at that point the people involved including HR but not just HR but from my management level to their management level um, they started to protect the business as an entity. So so they weren't protecting me. They were protecting their own interests because they knew I could go to a different level of authority to take to to consider this case again external to to my employer. So it, it started to to feel like it started to and not just feel it started to become me against the business entity. So at that point I wasn't just uh you know a lower operational employee at that point it's the politics started to go to a higher level not just office politics but now it was business entity politics with me against the business entity and it was very stressful a very very stressful time for me and the only reason why i had to stop fighting it at that point and it and I you know I was in it for a while was because it affected my health so badly that I went to the doctor and the doctor told me and she said you know you're about to have a heart attack now I understand that you you know want to to continue to fight but she's like but so you want to be dead you you want to be dead and I was thinking no I don't want to be dead so she said you have to make a decision you have to make a decision and so I made the decision that I would have to leave I would have to leave no matter whether the situation was solved or resolved I would have to leave I wanted my health back I I didn't want to die and to be young I was young I was in my early 20s and I didn't want to die at that point. I mean, it was bad. It was, I mean, it was a bad situation, situation of isolation, situation of, um, you know, rumors and situations where there was retaliation that you could not prove. And that's the thing when people say like, God bless the human resources that really have good intention god bless them but 
it's almost like they can be living in a bubble at times like when they say you know we don't we don't tolerate retaliation well retaliation can't always be proven it can't be proven but you can feel it you know it's there but they use ethical means to do unethical things so you can't really prove it being unethical and even if people can see like even if you report it you just become like the troublemaker even though you were the target you were the victim but it's kind of like you become um you become the person that that people start targeting because you are disrupting the bubble that this entity has been operating in so that was one of the examples of why I started seeing versus shadow and you know I experienced some other I mean e even worse cases than that as I continued my career and my career has been amazing as you know the majority of it I would say has been such a great experience a great experience but you but I tell you there are just some people who just who just are willing to do anything to move up the ranks they're willing to to do like I said anything anything even unethical types of maneuvers and behaviors to to stay high performing to benefit the business but also to benefit themselves <sighs> so again that's from my observations of those type of things that i saw that i considered the shadow politics it was <laughs> it was my impetus for creating scene versus shadow to actually support people who were going through very stressful games of politics but they had integrity they have integrity they have morality um, I wanted to support them so that it helps to keep their health intact because when they are going through these things, and they may not necessarily be targets yet or victims yet, but they're, but they're placed into a situation where they have to eventually make a choice, eventually make a choice. And if they choose on the side of integrity, they may become blackballed. And I wanted to be able to to support people who were like that. And even if you are a new decision maker, a new influencer, a new leader, a new entrepreneur, I want to prepare you for those types of politics so that you don't have to go through what I've had to go through. You don't have to go through what some of the other types of dials have went through. I want to prepare you what I what my model is identify shadow but never become it. Like the Bible says, being wise as a serpent is gentle as a dove. So I wanna show you how to maneuver those type of shadow situation, but keep your integrity, keep your morality, fight for your smile, and fight for your health to stay intact. Thanks for joining me, guys.